Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. We're in this series uh, called Grown Up Prayers, and I want to kind of dive straight in. I know how many of you on Father's Day can remember, maybe your dad might not have been around, but let's say if he was, okay, how he taught you to swim. Anyone have the, the, the really caring dad that threw you in and said, now swim? Oh, some people looking at a dad on the second row here. But if you had that experience, maybe you're that kid that, that dad throws you in or, or, or you're in and, and dad you know, peels your fingers off the, off the side of the pool and then, and then your immediate thing is, I want to get out. I want to get back on dry land, right? Because actually learning to swim involves this word that none of us want to think about, surrender. It's almost like we've got to surrender ourselves and we've got to trust and we've got to lean in to that whole process. It's similar um, to if you're jumping out of a plane, okay? Just to to forewarn you if you ever thought about doing that. Several years ago, my wife jumped out of a plane 14,000 feet up in the air. She did have a parachute on her back. And actually, I would never ever do that, okay? Because I don't like heights and I could never work out why she would do that. She said she's raising money for charity, yada, yeah, 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 yeah. But actually, she was strapped to a really honky ex-SAS soldier. (laughs) To this day, that's why I think she jumped out of the plane. But she said that the bit when they both, in fact, it was the last jump of the day and the soldier, the, the, the guy turned to her and said, I'm a little bit bored, should we try something different? And she's literally, the door's open, it's 40,000 feet, and Alison says, what do you mean? She said, he said, just follow me, well, you're strapped to me. And they went backwards out of the thing. My wife loved it, okay, especially the bit where you're free falling. The minute the chute went up, and all of a sudden she's linked to him and to his movements, that's a whole different issue, which raises up one of the other words that we struggle with, this word, control, right? How many of you struggle with control? You're not going to control me by getting me to put my hand up. That's what some of you are saying. Okay. But these two words, surrender and control, are so, so important. You see, life can often be out of control and feel out of control. And the last thing that we want to do is surrender. But what you and I all want in our life is freedom. And so we're looking today at this question, what is true freedom? Can we know freedom from anxiety and worry? Anxiety and worry of the past, anxiety and worry of the present, anxiety and worry for the future. Can we know true freedom from some of the pains and the chains that have affected us? Things we've done and things that have been done to us. Can you and I know true freedom? One day, the followers of Jesus had had enough, right? They were hanging around this guy, Jesus, and they were seeing him in action. And they saw the way he lived his life. They saw the way he responded to challenges. They saw the way he coped with stress and anxiety and worry. And, 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 and he was like, not like them. And he had such a peace and such a sense of real freedom. And they were sharp enough to know that the key to his freedom was in his relationship with God, his Father. And they saw that at work when, he, when Jesus would pray to his Father. And so after he prayed, one day they'd had enough and they came up to him, they said this, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Like you've got some kind of connection and we want it. So Jesus began to teach them to pray and he began to teach them the prayer that many of us know we're looking at called the Lord's Prayer. And it starts like this. Our Father 
in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is prayer number one. It's the prayer of connection. But that prayer of connection where we declare his greatness is immediately followed by this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we declare his greatness and then we surrender our will. And that's the point where many of us want to get back out the water or get back in the plane. Because what we do when we pray the prayer of connection, the prayer of surrender, is we say, with all the things going on in my life, God, it's you that's important and it's your will, not my will. And the purpose of prayer, and if you're new to this whole faith thing and you've never tried prayer, although many people who haven't got faith have prayed, I want to encourage you to invite you into this thing called prayer. You see, the purpose of prayer is not to align our will, is not to allow God's will, align God's will to our will, it's to align our will to God's will. We declare his greatness and then we surrender our will. But then, interestingly enough, the prayer pivots and then we start talking about our needs. This is often where you and I as childish prayers, we start with this. But we shouldn't start with this. We start with the prayer of connection, then the prayer of surrender. Then we go to prayer number three. And we're going to look at two today. And it's this, I call it the prayer of provision. Give us today our daily bread. Now, now when you and I hear that, okay, we think bread, boring, bread, fattening. Some of you are thinking, is it gluten free? (laughs) But to the context, in the context of the people that heard this first, they don't think any of that. They immediately think of their history, thousands of years before, when as the children of Israel, they come out of slavery in Egypt and they're in the wilderness for 40 years and they have nothing to eat and yet God miraculously provides every day bread from heaven called manna. That's what's in their heads when Jesus says, give us today or give us today our daily bread. And a key word at the heart of this is this word, dependence. See, what they learned in the wilderness was to depend on God, their Father. I love this quote by a guy called Dallas Willard, who's an author. Today I have God and he has all the provisions. Tomorrow it will be the same. Isn't that beautiful? Maybe just pause on that for a moment. Some of you who are thinking, what about tomorrow? Well, well, what Jesus would say and what this quote says is, today, if you know God, he has all the provisions and tomorrow it will be exactly, exactly the same. So today on Father's Day, I wonder how many of you have kitchen rules or like ways that you would do meals and maybe the dad set the rules, maybe it was the mom, I don't know. I heard this great story of this father and his kitchen, he had a lot of kids, all right? There were like nine kids. And the, the rule was that when the chicken came out, dad always ate the last piece of chicken. If he didn't want the chicken, it's a free for all, the fastest fork wins. And apparently on one night when they just finished the chicken dinner, um, at that bit, he said, I don't want the chicken. He pushed the plate away, okay, and the lights went out. And there was a scream in the darkness. And when the lights came back on, there was dad with nine forks in his hand. (laughs) All right. I don't know what your kitchen rule is about how you eat. Let, Let me invite you into God's kitchen for a moment. There are two rules in God's kitchen. The first one is this. Don't be shy, ask. Listen, whether you're a follower of Jesus for years or you're not even sure there is a God. If you have need in your life, God invites you to ask. Don't be shy, ask. C.S. Lewis, the great author, he said this, we lay before him what's in us, not what ought to be in us. How many of you ever prayed and you feel a bit guilty praying for this prayer? 
Or, or you pray for somebody you think, this is so small compared to like what's happening in Ukraine or what's happening you know, in, in the migrant crisis or what's happening around the world. And all of a sudden we, we're shy and we don't ask. Listen, God, your Father who loves you, if you have a need, don't be shy, ask. But secondly, trust the cook. Trust the cook. I love this quote, Alan Redpath. He said this, give us this day bread suited to our need. Guys, sometimes your plate will be overflowing and it's filet mignon. Sometimes it's cabbage. Give us today bread suited for our need. Let me just dip back into the book of Proverbs for a moment. It's a helpful verse here. It says this, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Now this is such a, not a Western prayer. None of us are praying this. We don't want just our daily bread and we don't want poverty, we want riches, right? But there's a reason why the Bible gives us such incredible wisdom. Let's go on to the next verse. It says this, otherwise I may have too much. Who would like to have too much? I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonour the name of my God. In other words, God, don't give me like, Less, but don't give me too much. Give me enough to suit my need. Give me enough so that I can handle it in such a way that I live my life in such a way that it brings honour to you because the prayer doesn't start, give us our daily bread. The prayer starts, our Father in heaven, what? What? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, give me today bread suited to my need. Let's just pause for a moment and I want to pray. There's another prayer we're going to look at and this is what we'll spend most of our time on, but I want to pray. And maybe in this room today, maybe in our sites in Hagley, Rowley, Bromsgrove, Cliberry, online, you have a need right now. You know, at the start of the year, we, we had a big uh, bucket um, and, and loads of people put loads of prayers in at the start of the year. And, and then on Good Friday, you, you, you put more prayers in. And we had an elders meeting, which is elders are the leaders of this church, they're not just old people, okay? If you're newer to it all, some of them are. No, stop that, stop! Okay, anyway, I'm off script here. So um, anyway, we got that part out again, as we do often, and we laid hands on it and we prayed for every single prayer in that pot because God cares about every single need. So maybe you have a need of provision in your life. Maybe it is financial, maybe it's health, maybe it's something else, I don't know. But just right now, let's pause and let me pray for you. Father, I want to pray, every person in this room, every person in our sites, everyone online, maybe someone catching up later on demand, God, you know every single one of us. You know our address, you know our postcode, you know our heart, you know our DNA, you know our fingerprint, you know our needs, you know our desires. God, I pray that you, the God who has all provision, would give each and every one of us bread suited to our need. God, may we know, may we let go of the side of that pool. May we jump out of that plane. May we let go, may we surrender, let go of that control. And may we experience that you are the God that we can utterly and totally depend on. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This Prayer I want to look at now is tough, okay? This is tough because this grown-up prayer number four, I want to call the prayer of release. 
And Jesus goes on to say, after, okay, give us this day a bread suit to our knee kind of thing, he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us our debts. That word debt, you all know a debt is something that we owe. Other translations talk about trespasses, the old translations, or sins. It's basically the idea of wrongs, hurts, grievances. In other words, we've been hurt, therefore somebody owes us, but we've also hurt and wounded others, therefore we owe them. And what Jesus says is, forgive us our debts, okay, as, and that's a really big but small word, we have forgiven our debtors. And, and he goes on to talk about it in Matthew, Matthew chapter five, like, uh, six like this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, when they hurt you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And this is such a difficult verse. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now that sounds really harsh, okay? But I want to open it up a little bit because I think God is getting at something here that you and I don't quite understand. The correlation between us forgiving others and us receiving forgiveness. There's a correlation between those two dynamics, which is so important. Somebody once said, forgiveness is unlocking the door to set someone free and realising you were the prisoner. You see, you and I think, if I stop hating them, or if I forgive them, they will go free. The reality is, they're free right now. You're not. You're not. Because we think that if we forgive them, they go free. Whereas in reality, if we forgive them, yes, they may, but we definitely will go free. You see, the alternative is you don't forgive them and you hold on to the unforgiveness and it becomes bitterness. And a writer called Anne Lamott, she famously said this, not forgiving is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. Now I know, okay, that this is a really, really difficult subject. And this is going to be like a, imagine like a swimming pool. We use the swimming pool illustration. There's the deep end of this and there's the shallow end. I know that, okay? Somebody cut you up on the road. Somebody sat in your seat in church. That's the shallow end of forgiveness, all right? But on Father's Day, on days like today, there's a whole load of us and we're living in the deep end of forgiveness. I understand that. I'm asking God by the Holy Spirit to give me grace and to give you grace as well to hear what God wants to say. I can't say everything in this moment, but I hopefully will give it a go. So in order to help us, what Jesus often does is, is he, he doesn't just sit down and teach like I'm doing. He often tells a story. And he told this incredible story, one of my favourite stories in the Bible because it's so powerful. And it begins like this in Matthew 18. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Wasn't Tim great on the video earlier on? Okay, he'd worked it out that that was 490 times and his brother is getting really close. That's so funny, Tim, that was brilliant. Uh, but here's what's really interesting about this. You see, the rabbi, under the rule of the rabbi, you would forgive some. The rabbi is a teacher, a Jewish teacher. So everybody went by what the teacher said, okay? And the rabbi said, you forgive someone three times. Peter comes up to Jesus, who's also a rabbi, and says, hey, I know that you're kind of a God of grace and you're so merciful and you're so amazing compared to these religious leaders. So how many times should we forgive? And he says seven. What he's saying there is that I'm doubling the rabbi and I'm adding one. 
So he's feeling really cocky and really sure of himself because he says, I'm going to go double what the rabbi says and add one for good measure. And Jesus says, no, 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 seven times 70. In other words, and different translations say different things, but the idea is this, no, no, it's, a, it, it, you basically, it's unlimited. It's unlimited, there's not a number. It was a number beyond their comprehension. That's how many times you should forgive. And then he told a story. Well, in that story, we, won't, we haven't got time to read it all, but in that story, there's a king and there's a servant and this servant um, owes the king a shed load of money. In fact, the Bible says it's 10,000 talents, which in our speak, it's equated to a gazillion. I've worked it out. It would take 200,000 years of work for him to pay it back. Not 200 years, 200 thousand years for him to pay the debt back. How many, how many you know he's not paying it back, right? He's not. 200,000 years. And that's the point. And then when he comes to the king, the Bible, the Bible says that he, he begged the king, he begged the king. We'll read, we'll read this bit here. Next bit. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Of course he won't. And the king knew he wouldn't. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, forgave him, in other words, and let him go. Then he goes out and he comes across another fella who owes him some money. Bear in mind, this is just after he's been forgiven with a gazillion, 200,000 years of work debt. He's been forgiven that and he's owed, he's owed 10 denarii. 100, sorry, 100 denarii. Now, 100 denarii is equivalent of three months' salary. So it's not inconsequential. Right, and that's the important bit in this story. It matters. It's three months' salary. Would you like to lose three months' salary to someone? Of course you wouldn't. But that's not the same as 200,000 years of salary, right? And there's something amazing in this story. And he, the thing is, just I'm coming back. All right, I'm not just going off. Just, just wait there, all right? So you thought, he's had enough, he's going home. So I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and uh, communicate it visually, okay? And for all of you in the sites, there's basically the equivalent is... One coin is equivalent of 100 denarii. So how much is? 4,000 coins are what he owes, uh, what's, uh, what he owes. One coin is what's owed to him. That's what's so, so interesting. You see, what he owes is literally all of this. Like it's so much. If I was to tip this all out, it's 4,000 coins all over here. That is what he owes. What's owed to him is one coin. And this is so important because what Jesus is saying is that, listen, yes, somebody might owe you, but you know what? You owe God. You owe God so much. It's a gazillion amount. You will never, ever be able to repay. And if we come to this issue of forgiveness through that, we will never get anywhere. But if we come through this, through what we've been forgiven, then we will discover the real freedom and the true freedom that you and I actually want. See, he grabs this guy and he chokes the life out of him. So give me back what you owe me. And he's choking him around the neck. And people hear about it and they go and tell the king. And it says this, Then the master called this servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt. This gazillion amount of debt. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant, the one coin? He only owed you the one coin. I forgave you all of that. Just as I had on you, in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back 
all he owed. And then listen to how Jesus ends it. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And he's not being harsh. He's saying, if you don't forgive, you will never find true freedom. You'll never find true freedom. So as we finish, some lessons, some essentials for forgiveness. And we could speak for seven weeks on these seven things I'm going to tell you, okay? So hopefully that this will register for you. Number one, forgiveness requires us to acknowledge we've been hurt or wronged. Listen, if you've been hurt or you've been wronged, acknowledge it, okay? The idea, well, get over it. You're never going to find real freedom if you don't acknowledge it. We've got to own it and acknowledge it, no matter what it is. And we don't compare it with others, okay? We say, hey, I've been hurt. And we've got to do something with that hurt. Number two, forgiveness is not an excuse to tolerate wrongdoing. Can I just say, I am not saying if somebody is hurting you in any way, that you're just to keep forgiving and keep putting yourself back in that place of being hurt. That is not what I'm saying. It is not an excuse to tolerate wrongdoing. Sometimes you've got to take yourself out of a situation. Now, forgiveness is another issue, but it is not an excuse to tolerate wrongdoing. Number three, forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. I hope that if you're a follower of Jesus today, reconciliation is part of the journey that you're on. But sometimes forgiving somebody means you cancel that debt, you let them go, but you don't necessarily reconcile the relationship in the way it was before. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. It's not the same as reconciliation. And you might think, well, I can't even be in the same room with them. That's okay, but you can still forgive them. And hopefully you'll come to a point when you can be in the same room as them again. That would be great. But it's not the same as reconciliation. Number four, forgiveness is a journey and the first move is always ours. Now let me get this right, okay? Now let me explain this. I could take you to the Scriptures, but we haven't got time. Jesus teaches two very important things, all right? He says, when somebody has wronged you, you go to them. Then another part of the Bible, he says, when you've wronged somebody, you go to them. <laughs> let me just say that again, all right? Because you've got to catch that. It's really subtle. Basically, when somebody wrongs you, Okay, let, 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 me, let me use Martin as an example because I know he'll be When Martin wrongs me, I'm going to go to Martin. When I know I've wrong, uh, wronged Martin, I'm going to go to Martin. And the idea is that we're not checking the scoreboard, but we're checking our heart. And if Martin's following God too, then either way of those scenarios, he's on his way to me as I'm on my way to him. That's how it should be. That's how forgiveness should be. And guys, in the church, that's how we should live this thing out. Listen, when you look at the world, you look at social media, you look at politics, you look at what's going on right now in, in some of our political parties, in all of our political parties, it's a mess, right? This is not how we're to operate. When we are hurt, we go to somebody. When we hurt somebody else, we go to somebody. We go to give and receive forgiveness and we find true freedom. Number five, forgiveness is a process that may or may not include feelings. If you're going to wait for that loving feeling, you'll be waiting a long time. Forgiveness, some of the times I've had to sit with people because they've hurt me or I've hurt them. Okay, many of the latter as well. There's no feeling going on or there's no nice feeling going on. It's horrible. It's horrible. But we do it because we love God and we do it because we want to find true freedom, right? 
And we want to release people. And in the releasing of people from the debt we think we, that they owe us, we ourselves experience incredible supernatural peace. Number six, forgiveness is more than freedom. It's about the story of God. And I want to say something about this. This is about how we live this thing out is an evidence of who we say we really follow and we trust and we love. In the Second World War, just after the Second World War, there was uh, the, the Polish church were, were asked to meet a bunch of German Christians. Uh, and if you know anything about World War II history, you'll know how hard that was. In fact, some of them said, we can't do that. We said, every stone in Warsaw, capital of Poland, is soaked with the blood of our people. And you want us to sit in a room, break bread and pray with German Christians, we can't do it. And they went away. And then in the meeting of some of these leaders, they began to pray the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgiven our debtors. One of them said, we have to meet those Christians. We must meet those people. And 18 months later, they met and embraced together. This is the power of forgiveness, right? This is the power of forgiveness. And it's not just about a personal thing. It's the story of God, isn't it? God who loved the world so much that even though you and I owed him a gazillion amount of like debt and debt and debt, he forgave us and he embraced us. And because he embraced us, surely you and I, surely you and I can let that person go who owes us that one coin, significant though it is, painful though it is, hurtful though it is, but in comparison to all that we've been forgiven, come on, come on. We can forgive because we have been forgiven. And that's the seventh point. Forgiveness is only possible, really, when we understand that we've been forgiven. Andy Stanley at North Point, he says it this way, I love this. When I focus on the work God has yet to complete in me, I am far less concerned with the work he has yet to complete in you. Isn't that great? And when we're aware of our own inadequacies, our own shortcomings, our own sin, our own failure, then maybe we're freer to offer some forgiveness to others as well. How do you know that you've truly forgiven someone? It's a good question, isn't it? I think you know when you stop bringing it up to them. I think you know when you stop bringing it up to everybody else. When you tell everybody else just what they did to you. And I think you really know it when you stop rehearsing the offence over and over in your mind. And then one day you wake up and you think, do you know what? I feel free. I feel free. Because I have forgiven them. So let's look at this prayer together, shall we? Our Father in heaven, Jesus says, start like that. Start with connection. Our Father in heaven, you remember we looked at that word heaven. It doesn't, it's not a galaxy far, far away. It's closer than the air that we breathe. It's the atmosphere. It's the breath all around us. Hallowed or holy or set apart be your name. So we declare his greatness. That's how we pray. That's a grown-up prayer. Even in the midst of pain, we declare his greatness. And then we pray a prayer of surrender. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I declare your greatness, then I surrender my will. Give us today our daily bread. Not too much, not, not enough. Bread suited to our need. And then forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Keep us coming through this. Keep us coming through this so that we can forgive that. Why don't we say it out loud together? Could we do that? Let's say it out loud together. 
our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. One final story. This is dramatic and this is deliberately so, but many, many years ago um, in South Africa, many of you, you're old enough to understand and to know the apartheid situation in South Africa. And coming out of that, there was a truth and reconciliation process going on, which is very, very important in all of these things. And in one of those, a uh, white South African uh, police officer was uh, tried for his part in some crimes against a family. And, and in the court, he was sat there, young, young police officer, and he just got caught up in the whole thing, okay, that, that was around at the time. And unfortunately, he's still around now in many ways. Um, and this lady told the story of how him and, and, and his other colleagues came and took her 18-year-old son and killed him. And then come back later and took her husband and killed him in a horrible way in front of her eyes. And in that whole process, she said to the judge, I want to say something to this young man. And the young man's looking at her, and this is like goes down in folklore history. It's amazing. She said, what you did has so damaged and destroyed my life. She says, but what I want you to know, that by the power of God, I forgive you. And she said this, but the other thing I want you to know is not just do I forgive you, but you've taken my son and my husband. I've got all this love and I ain't got anyone to give it. So this is what she said. So I want you to come to my house at least twice a month so I can love on you. So some of that love that you've taken away from me, I want to give that to you. I mean, talk about forgiveness, right? It's a whole different level, isn't it? And apparently, as she said that, she said, one more thing, I'd like to come and I'd like to hug you. Judge, is that okay? And the judge said it was. And so she moves, and as she's moving across, this is absolutely true, as she's moving across the courtroom, the people in the, in the, in the docks there, or the, not in the docks, in, in, the, in the gallery there, begin to sing Amazing Grace. And then as she hugs him, he faints. Like, he can't cope with it. Because that level of grace and forgiveness is so supernatural, isn't it? It's available to every single one of us. And when we find it, when we receive it, and when we give it, guys, we find true freedom. So I want to invite you to stand if you're willing, if you're able. And in our sights as well, I want to invite all of you to stand. And I'm going to do something which if you're newer to church, this is going to feel a little odd. It's not that odd, okay? But I want to, I'm going to invite you, and if you don't want to do it, don't do it. I'm going to invite you to do something which I've never done before quite like this but I really feel God wants me to do this today. So what I want you to do is I want you to hold your hands out in front of you and I don't want you to close your eyes, but I want you just to hold. And then maybe if you're watching online as well, you do that wherever you are, okay? And as we open our hands, I want you to look at the palms of your hand and I want you to see the name of somebody who's wronged you, okay? And as you see the name of somebody who's wronged you, I want you to clench your fists tight together. That's how many of us feel, isn't it? Almost like, like that servant that came out and found that guy that owed him a coin and he started to choke him. This is how many of us feel about that person. But now, now, I want you to gently open your hand. And now I want to picture you inviting God by His Spirit 
into this relationship and giving you the strength to begin, to begin to forgive that person. And it might take a long time. And there might be other moments when you clench your fist again, I get that. But when you clench your fist, just remember this moment and just release your hand again. And now I'm going to pray for you. Father, I want to pray for every single person here, every single person in our sights, every single person online. We've got our hands hopefully open right now. There are names of people that we can see on our hand. God, we're giving that name to You and we're asking You to help us to forgive as we have been forgiven. And Lord Jesus, today, may we live in the power and the freedom of forgiveness. And the next time someone owes us that coin, may we remember the bucket load of coins that we have been forgiven of. And may we, Lord, I pray, pray these grown-up prayers. Lord, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us those that sin against us, Lord, because we have been forgiven ourselves. And so God, we pray that you would help us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. As we close today, um, we're going to sing an amazing song, which I've asked the guys to sing today, because this to me just reminds us of the power and the energy and the life that we have because we've been forgiven because of what He's done for us enables us to begin to forgive others. And if we don't live in the reality of what He's done, we'll never give that reality out to others. It's only as we live in the freedom and the grace that we've received that we have that power to begin to free and release and forgive others as well. So as we sing this great song today, sing with all your heart and thank God today that you've been forgiven from a gazillion amount of debt. Isn't that right? A gazillion amount of debt, not just a coin, but a gazillion amount. God has done that because of Jesus and what Jesus has done on the cross. Let's worship.